You're listening to DraftKings Network. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello, everybody. This is The Hockey Show. My name is Roy Bellamy. Over down the other side of the studio, David Jorka, The Hockey News. Now, the Florida Panthers have won back-to-back games. They are coming off of a win versus the Arizona Coyotes on Wednesday. And Wednesday was pretty interesting because on January 2nd, uh, Jason Zucker had concussed Nick Cousins on a boarding penalty. So the Panthers kind of had this game circled in the calendar. And pregame skate, there was a bit of a discussion between (laughs) Matthew Kachuk, Ryan Lomberg, Jonah Gajevich, Jason Zucker, um, Liam McBain. No, Liam O'Brien and Jack McBain. I'm sorry. And uh, they got into a discussion on how to settle matters. And matters got settled because off the open and face off, there was a fight. Then everybody got in the penalty box. And then off the second opening face-off, off the second face-off, there was a fight as well. Now, we're talking about seven seconds of elapsed <laughs> game time that took about, uh, I should say, about five, seven minutes. At least. And uh, I think they settled matters pretty pretty quickly there. And then the Panthers took over and won big time 6-2. to two. Yeah, that was that was the Panthers settling matters. Uh, that that was cool to see them kind of discussing it pregame. With Lombard went over to Zucker, and that was like the the intent, I believe, was to get Zucker to kind of like, all right, you did this, now you're gonna stand up for it, just kind of like Nick Cousins did in the past with the Erica Branson thing, and you know, guys stand up and they they take their licks, right? Well, I I don't know why, but Jason Zucker didn't have anything to do with those fist to cuff festivities. Uh, McBain and was it? Is uh, Liam O'Brien. O'Brien and McBain, which it sounds like the, the two guys in the Seinfeld episode were there in the back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a Murphy and O'Brien. But yeah, anyway, it was really cool how the Panthers did that. And what I liked that Paul Maurice said after the game, he was like, yes, I like that we handled our business in regard to the hit. And then I like that we handled our business in regard to the game. Like, yeah, they had all the fighting in the first seven seconds, and then they were up three to nothing at the end of the first period. There like were, 10 minutes in, they were up three to nothing. There were plenty of scrums, though, during that game. I mean, it was yeah. very physical. I mean, the Panthers really beat them up on the ice and beat them up on the scoreboard. Yeah, I, it was interesting how it kind of died out as the game went on, though, as Florida was like up like four to nothing or five to one or whatever it was. And it was like this game, it's not that tight. We're beating you into the ice. Let's just move on. Because really, in the third period, there wasn't a whole lot. I find it interesting, Roy, and I, mean, I don't know if you noticed this, but when Eastern Conference teams play Western Conference teams, they see each other. A little bit more animosity. Right? right? They see each other so rarely, but it's almost like they see each other every other day because I feel like there's always more fighting and there's more scrums in the teams that play each other less frequently. I just find that interesting. I love the fact that during pregame skate, they stood around, had a cultural conversation on how to settle matters logically and, and just a gentleman's discussion, a gentleman's agreement, really, on. How are we going to end up fighting here? Now, I mean, the lineups situation, I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, that that was definitely a Paul Maurice uh, call on that one as far as matchups are concerned. It's just funny that both teams decided to go and start off with the fourth lines and and Ryan Lomberg being the center. 
the yeah. actual legit center. He doesn't take many faceoffs, but he took that one where he said, it, if you see him line up for the faceoff, odds are you know why. And yeah, the way that played out, we knew exactly why. But kudos to those guys. The only thing that was missing from that pre-game conversation was a couple of glasses of bourbon. Because it was very, very distinguished for a for a fight about fight or a talk about fighting. Don't talk about alcohol. I'm on dry January. You're, I got a week dude, left. It's you are literally a week away. You're yeah. in the home stretch. Slow drag for me. I'm telling you right now. Like I want to drink. I want to drink. Now, before the show, uh, we discussed uh, how we're going to end up doing the show, and you brought up uh, Panthers goaltending tandems. Right now, it's uh, Sergey Bobrovsky and Anthony Stolarz. You believe that this might be the best goalie tandem this team has had. Now, this team has had John Van Beesbrook and uh, Mark Fitzpatrick. Uh, so you you actually you actually think this is the best one, huh? Well, I mean, you're going into like the OG goalie tandem from, you know, they're literally their original tandem. And Mark Fitzpatrick back then was a very highly touted goaltender. A lot of teams wanted to get their hands on him. Yeah. So yeah, Florida had a very solid uh, tandem back then. But no, I'm just thinking in terms of recent history, like there've been some good goaltenders. And I mean, we've had some very solid backups to Bob, whether it was Chris Trieger or uh, Sam Monsonbo. You can go back to like the Al Montoya when he was tandem with Roberto Luongo. It was Scott Clemenson back with Jose Theodore. I mean, we can go back and back and further and further. But I'm just looking at this year with Anthony Stolarz playing very well as a backup. Combine yeah. that with Sergey Bobrovsky kind of picking up where he left off last year in the playoffs. He's having a great year. He's going to the All-Star Game. We'll see him in Toronto in a few days. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, I just think that this is one of, if not the best goalie tandem the Panthers have had in a really long time. And that's, again, no knock on any recent goaltenders. I just think that Bob and Stolarz have been really, really good for the Panthers. Well, Alexander Barkov returned to the Panthers lineup on Wednesday versus the Coyotes. He was the third-line center. Mackie Samuskevich was his winger. And uh, they're trying to ease his way. They're trying to ease his way back into the fold right now coming off of injury. That's right. I think the third line played uh, on Wednesday. Well, first, I, I told you this already. I think if it's Barkov's line, it's the top line. Yeah. The top line center. But now we're just talking semantics. But <laughs> I, I thought actually Mackie did really well uh, based off of his He played the first few games uh, early in the season, the first three games of the year. Then he went to Charlotte. Mm. He's been playing well for the Charlotte checkers down in the AHL. I wanted to see how they would first, how they'd use him when they called him back up, because you can't, a, a guy like Mackey, he's a high end prospect. He's going to be a top six player. You don't plug him up to the NHL and pop him in the bottom six and play him for 10 minutes and that's it. Right. So last night he only played 12 minutes, but that was because special teams kind of dominated the second half of the game and Mackey didn't play power player shorthanded. The shifts he did have with Sasha Barkov, I thought they looked great. I thought they were setting each other up. They were finding each other well in the offensive zone. I think that we've seen a lot of growth from Mackey in terms of the early season till now. And it's good that Paul Maurice said he wants to see more of it and see how it develops. They're not going to rush him, but put him in that spot. Put him next to one of the best players in the world and see if he can flourish. And, you know, last night, a little little sample size against Arizona, but I liked what I saw. Do you think he's going to be taxi squad or black ace during the playoffs, or are they going to keep him down in uh, Charlotte, depending on how their season is going? I think uh, there's a lot that could come into play with that. I think it depends how the second half of his season goes, because if he continues to ascend, then he might force himself into a lineup in terms of depth with the Panthers. But at the same time, we don't know what's going to happen with the Panthers in terms of injuries or what have you with trade deadline. So there could be a spot for him that's already getting carved out and we don't know. So there's a lot of unknown that's going to happen between now and the playoffs. You've done some research and uh, I'm, I'm really interested in what you dug up. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. No, I, I've been digging around as we get close to the All-Star game and uh, the trade deadline's going to be coming up a little bit after that in the beginning of March. Uh, the Panthers have some some decisions to make with their unrestricted free agents. So I've just been digging around to try to see what I can find out. And it sounds like their big restrict, unrestricted free agent, who's Sam Reinhart, there's a lot of talk there. Uh, it sounds like talks, uh, here we are on January 25th, are starting to pick back up again. Uh, 
get a little bit more serious since the, excuse me, since the new year happened uh, with Sam Reinhart. And it sounds like at this point, I would not be surprised to see the two sides come to an agreement with a deal similar to the one that Florida signed Matthew Kitschuk, which was, I believe, eight years, nine and a half million. Uh, just because, you know, here in Florida, they got the no state income tax. So you can sign a guy for a little cheaper and they still end up uh, on the back end with that money. But it's starting to sound like, and we've known for a while that Sam Reinhart and the Panthers wanted to stay together. Mm-hmm. Things are starting to trend in that direction. And it sounds like the money is not going to be as crazy as it would be if he hit the open market. I mean, these are important decisions here. Obviously, we know that he wasn't going to get paid more than Matthew Kachuk. But you got to look at your defensive core here. You got to look at Brandon Montour. There are players that you really need to lock up to really solidify this team. And if they can get Sam Reinhardt at a discount. Yeah, oh, a discount. No, it'd be, it'd be nice. And I, yeah, you can't compare one deal to the other. Because remember, they signed Matthew Kachuk. A, that was before he had his first big year with the Panthers. He had the Hart Trophy consideration, all the playoff stuff. So everything changes in year to year. I think two years after that, if you can lock in Sam Reinhart anywhere under 10, I think he would get well above that if he hit the open market. So I think the Panthers would be very astute to do that sooner rather than later. All right, let's go on to the other part of this league. Uh, let's go to Los Angeles. Let's talk about uh, a post-game presser with Drew Doughty. Now, do you want to explain the context of this video? Yeah, well, the context is the Los Angeles Kings have been, been, not been playing well of late. They have, what are they? Uh, they've lost 12 of their last 14. They're 2-7-5, and five, and that was after an incredible start. They were 16-4-3. and three. They were right neck and neck with Vegas at the start of the season. They looked like really one of the big monsters of the Western Conference. It's been a, a, a big shift for the Kings since then. Their goaltending hasn't been that great. And this is a team that is much like the Panthers in that they pride themselves on their defensive hockey and they kind of root it in that regard. So to see them struggling the way they have has been kind of surprising. And it came to a head last night after they blew a 3-1 to one lead and lost to the Buffalo Sabres. All right, Drew Doughty has had some strong words about what's going on with the Los Angeles Kings. Danny, roll it. What has to change here? Um, I think we got guys in this room who are too worried about themselves and worried about their points and worried about stuff like that. We get a three-one lead tonight, and you know, guys start thinking it's a it's a cookie night, and we stop playing the way we know how to play. Have an awful second period, and then aren't much better in the third. Uh, it's about the team. It's not about yourself. And a lot of guys on this team will need to realize that. This whole stretch of games, every game has been relatively close. Does this feel like maybe the bottom out for you guys with how the the second and the third went? I mean, honestly, it's felt like the bottom out for a while now. Um, it's frustrating not getting these wins. We're trying to stay positive. We're trying to, you know, get back to having fun out there and play our game. But uh, it's hard to do that when you're on a streak like this. And uh, this is this has been a struggle for us. And the only way we're going to get out of it is if we get everybody's 100% effort and everyone playing for the team for each other. Yeah, so those comments sound exactly like Nikita Zadorov in Calgary before he got traded to Vancouver. It's not a good situation with the Kings. I, I, I always go back to goaltending because that's me. But when Phoenix Copley went out for the year with the torn ACL, they were relying a lot on Cam Talbot and they brought in David Riddich, who is a solid backup goaltender. But, you know, you think about where they've gone the last few years. They had Jonas Corposalo briefly. They let him go to Ottawa. Jonathan Twick is having this amazing year with the Rangers right now. Uh, the Kings are just, they have so much talent. And when you've got guys, they, they brought, they made the big deal for Pierre, Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's under a lot of scrutiny in LA because he doesn't always look like, you know, his style of play maybe doesn't look like he's busting his ass as much as maybe he is. And it's not going to play well when you lose 12 or 14. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think it falls so much on Todd McClellan, the head coach. I think it's much more in the locker room than it is anything else. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest for the 10-Minute Misconduct coming up next is Emily Kaplan from ESPN. 
She's the NHL reporter over there. We're going to talk to her about the All-Star game. And there have been some big news that has happened in the hockey world over the past week. We'll be back. Hey, guys. It's Jeremy here. And being around sports media and a fan of the teams here in South Florida for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and the what-if scenarios in sports that could be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Don Lebatard, were you guys building out the A-Rod bathroom of your imaginations? Is that what I heard you discussing during the break? Towels with an A on them. You know the thing you slide the toilet paper on? That's a baseball bat. Hey, like that. Stugats. You think he actually calls it the throne? Probably does. It's an actual throne. Yeah. An actual throne. There's got to be a full length mirror in there somewhere. I imagine somewhere in his house he has a replica of David, but with his head on it. <laughs> this is the Don Lebatar show with the Stugats. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 10 Minute Misconduct, and joining us in the penalty box is one of my favorite people in this in this industry and basically the world at this point right now is Emily Kaplan, <laughs> the NHL and ESPN. She is the reporter, uh, and we talked about this before we started this uh, this segment. And my you got very excited, vitriol, my complete hatred for the All Star Game jerseys that that were released last week. Um, <laughs> Emily asked me for my take, but before we do that. What is your take on these horrid, no good, lower terrible, lowercase lower lower jerseys? Talk about a leading question. Uh, <laughs> firstly, Roy, you are a legend. You guys are awesome. I appreciate you having me. I did not know that this was how the uh, penalty box segment, so I feel a lot of shame right now. Hey, trust um, me. Every week is a lot of shame coming from this end, too. It's very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I appreciate it. It's always fun to be here. Um <laughs> They're okay. They're fine. Uh, I like that they're going for it. They're different. You know, our big issue last year was that the jerseys all look so similar. So when like the different teams were coming on, it was really hard to tell who was playing against who. So four distinct colors. Yep. That's a step in the right direction. We'll not have um, that problem this year. <laughs> they fixed it. They, they fixed everything. Like baseball yeah. fixed everything. And they fixed it. <laughs> exactly. The big picture, though, and I'm not just saying this is an ESPN event, but uh, I do think they made a lot of good fixes for the All-Star game this year. And I think skills is going to be fire. There's actually competition and stakes. I mean, winner takes all a million dollars. Second place gets absolutely zero dollars. So I think the guys are going to be juiced and I think it'll be a fun time no matter what they're wearing. It's kind of hard. There's, there's nowhere to go from up after last year's skills competition. It just felt like it took forever. 
Yeah, it was tough. And I know like afterwards, everyone was not happy with it. The league wasn't happy with it. Us at ESPN didn't really feel great about it. The players didn't feel great about it. And you got to give credit to the players. Like we're always asking them to show agency. And Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews were really active going to the league and saying, if we're going to keep coming to this event, we need some change. We need some reform. And this is what they cooked up. And I think it'll be interesting. So, Emily, I did want to ask you about some positive news that's happening in the NHL right now. Obviously, a lot of people are happy north of the border because the Edmonton Oilers are playing like absolute gangbusters right now. And they just added a pretty crucial veteran piece to their lineup that's only going to help things. Uh, how have you been enjoying this uh, amazing turnaround from the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, you know, I feel for Jay Woodcroft because <laughs> this is a team that before the year right should have been playing like this. They are everybody's look. This is their time. Stanley Cup contenders if not favorites for a lot of people um but two things are the biggest coach killer in sports well in hockey one it's goaltending and save percentage and they were getting absolute garbage production from that category and two your star player Connor mcdavid was playing through an injury um it was so clear he was hurt he wasn't taking face-offs for a couple games he just wasn't 100 percent so they fire Jay Woodcroft, and then all of a sudden, Connor McDavid gets healthy, and then the goaltending shows up. And I give a lot of credit to Chris Knobloch because he's a common presence, really good communicator. But it just feels like it was the kick that they all needed, the confluence of events, and all of a sudden, they're looking dynamite. And a Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl-led team to go deep into the playoffs is exactly what this league needs. We don't need Salty, Moody, Connor, and Leon anymore. We've had enough of that. <laughs> it's a good storyline, but uh, I'd like to see those guys smiling and playing winning hockey. Speaking of firings, uh, on the island, the uh, New York Islanders fired their head coach, Lane Lambert, and then shocked everybody by hiring Patrick Roy. <laughs> like, what's going on, on in New York right now? Yo, this is Lou being Lou. Lou Lambert <laughs> is the biggest OG in the game. And I just love when he's like, I didn't consider any coach only Patrick Waugh. This is the only coach I would have replaced him with. He's the only man I considered. Uh, that's a man who knows what he wants. Uh, Patrick Waugh, as we know, is fiery. He's intense. His previous stint coaching in the NHL just didn't end well for him. Like He resigned, and he thought, okay, I'm going to get a chance after this. And he waited for his phone to ring, and he waited for his phone to ring. And everyone thought that he was tarnished. And I give him a ton of credit because the last interim since we've seen him behind an NHL bench he's been coaching the juniors he's been connecting with younger players um he clearly has a passion for coaching but now that he's back in the NHL um I don't think that his passion for the game has tempered a bit maybe his approach has slightly you know I think that he doesn't expect to have full personnel moves anymore of course that's Lou Lamarillo's lane um but there's so much research and I know Lou Lamarillo has done this research about coaches doing so much better in their second opportunity behind the bench because they saw what went wrong the first time. Maybe their ego tempers a bit. Uh, and I think that we want the Islanders to be interesting. This guy behind the bench is going to make them interesting. And how about this division, right, where you've got, like, some of the fieriest coaches in the game. He's going up against Mike Sullivan. We see him MFing all the time behind the bench. He's a serious guy. LaViolette. John Tortorella there. LaViolette. Uh, so it's always interesting in hockey. And I think hockey's a better place with Patrick Watt behind the bench. Uh, that's a First off, perfect statement to end your right there on. That's great. I love it. I am a big Patrick Law fan as well, so I'm happy to see him back. And you kind of led me into my next question, which was about another fiery coach in that division, John Tortorella. 
So the Flyers were expected to be, you know, a rebuilding team, maybe a lottery team. And look at them, third in the division in the Metropolitan with like a five-point lead over the Devils as we record on a Thursday. Why has Torts been such a perfect fit for the Flyers, aside from the fact that he kicks everybody's ass and it's Philadelphia? I think there's just so many misconceptions about Torts because you just see him as a hard ass, right? The clips, the viral clips of him yelling at reporters, yelling at his team, benching guys, and you're like, oh, God, this is scary. But... The dirty little secret in the NHL is that he's one of the biggest softies and he really cares about players on a human level. And this is a team that wanted to rebuild the right way and didn't expect to win this year. In fact, I think they would have been really happy tanking getting some more top draft picks. But Torrance is clearly connected with some of these younger players, motivating them in ways that is seeing them excel on the ice. Sometimes it's tough love, but you always know where you stand with Torrance. There's never any pretense. He's very blunt. Um, and the city just needs it. I think the hockey is better when Philadelphia is a relevant hockey market. They're playing a hard style. You know exactly how they're going to show up every night. And if they're a little ahead of schedule, they'll take it if they're putting fans in the seats. And again, they're energizing this fan base, which has plenty of other distractions, right? The Sixers are awesome. The Eagles are always a soap opera. Mm -hmm. It's good that the Flyers are able to be relevant in this market. And I give a lot of credit to Torts, a lot of credit to their management, too. Like They've made a lot of the right moves to get the right guys who can play under Torts as well. Well, speaking of uh, the Flyers, uh, Carter Hart took uh, personal leave. Um, and we noticed that several other players in the league has taken personal time off. And then this bombshell report by Rick Resthead uh, was released where five members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior team were they were being told to surrender up in Canada off uh, sexual assault charges. Like, what do you know about this story? Yeah, this is a really troubling one. It's sad. It's a bad indictment for everything we say. It's bad about hockey culture. Um, but basically, this 2018 World Juniors team in Canada um, has been under fire for a while because there was an incident that a woman reported to police that she was sexually assaulted um, by multiple players on that team at a team event. It was alcohol-fueled. And it felt at first like Hockey Canada was sweeping it under the rug. Um, she filed a civil suit. They settled. The NHL then investigated, and after a firestorm, the London Police Department reopened an investigation. Now, that was over two years ago. We've kind of been waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, there has been different reasons why this has slowed along the way, but we knew that there was always a possibility that if this woman were to cooperate, um, that potentially there could be charges down the line. It does appear that the London Police Department is ready to place charges on five of these players. Um, you can draw a link between the players who have taken leave of absences and potential legal action. We don't quite know how involved each of these players are, what the charges will be. They're going to hold a press conference, I believe, February 5th, where we'll know more information. And until then, every single person in the NHL, all of the teams, all the agents for these players have been quiet, just waiting for the legal process to play out. But it's certainly troubling. Um, you know, the details of the support, Rick Westhead and TSN have done incredible reporting on it. Katie Strang, as usual, the athletic. Um, it's really heartbreaking to read um, of how many players were potentially involved, how many players might have known and looked the other way, how many adults in the room might have enabled this. And again, we talk about bad hockey culture. This hits on so many of those really sensitive touch points, and we'll see what happens from it. But from right now, all we can say is it's pretty troubling. At this point, we've had, you know, what happened with Chicago with Chris Beach, and yeah. Yeah. it just feels like our— I'm trying to phrase the question, but I guess it's just, are we in the midst of 
culture changing around hockey? Is this all part of a movement towards something better as we bring to light these horrible, horrible things that have happened? Like That's where I hope this is going. And obviously, we're going to see results that play out from this in the months to come. And we don't know because this is uncharted territory, really, what we're entering with the NHL. But I just have to hope, Emily, that this is going to lead somewhere better. Yeah, I want to say that, too. And like you mentioned, it's been a troubling trend because this isn't the first of these incidents that we've seen with nefarious behavior by young men who are then enabled by those above him and said, it's fine. If you can play on the ice, just go play and we'll figure it out later. Um, I think that this one has struck a nerve amongst many around the hockey community because these players, again, have kind of skated free for so many years since this incident. And now it seems like they're facing real consequences. And unfortunately, real consequences might be the only thing that gets people to wake up, um, to change their behaviors. So I'd like to think that this can lead to positive reform, that we start to have better conversations starting at the youth level, better training, yes. sensitivity training, understanding how to report things. But um, we'll just have to wait and see because we've been saying this now for years after each of these incidents. We're saying this will get people to change. This will be it. And we just keep getting more incidents that are really troubling. I want to go back to the All-Star game. And uh, the last time we saw you personally, obviously, it was during the Panthers Cup run. But before that was the All-Star game down here in Sunrise. Now, there's going to be a completely different climate uh, structure uh, between Sunrise and Toronto this year. We're going to, what is the difference of maybe 45 degrees? Uh, it's probably more, probably 50 or 60. God damn it. Oh man, we are preparing for the cold up here. Like, How are you going to deal with this? It's too damn cold. <laughs> I feel like I'm put in a tough position here talking to a bunch of guys from South Florida. Yeah, it's going to be fine. I live in Chicago. It's going to be fine. You get a good jacket, you get some gloves, you get some boots, and then you warm up inside with a nice cold Molson's and it just warms your heart. But uh, it'll be fun because it's a true celebration of, you know, hockey tradition, right? This is the epicenter of the hockey universe. It's going to be cold outside, but lots of fun festivities. I'll show you guys the way. Well, the All-Star captains... Uh, let, let's talk about this. We got Justin Bieber. We got Will Arnett. We got uh, Michael Buble. Michael Bu oh, Okay, Michael Bu I, I should be saying off. Oh, shit for Justin Bieber. <laughs> but yeah, Michael Buble and Tate McRae. Tate McRae, who I, I went down the Tate McRae rabbit hole this morning. I didn't really know who she was, admittedly. And she's a very talented dancer and singer with a very cool music video that takes place inside a hockey rink. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that's my Tate McRae uh, in a nutshell for you. Well, Emily, last year uh, down here in Sunrise was an all-star coach well, for an alumni game. That's right. She was an all-star coach. You could have been an all-star captain, Emily. Why, why couldn't they get you over Bieber? He's already done enough damage with the jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Bieber has a little bit more cloud. You know, I give the NHL a lot of credit because we always talk about them being a little slow behind the times. And, you know, Bieber's Bieber. He's his own global brand. Michael Buble has shown that he's a massive hockey fan. He's really connected to the Vancouver market. Will Arnett, maybe he can get some personality of Connor McDavid. But Tate McRae, like, I give her a lot of credit to be there over me because um, a lot of the guys are asking, who is Tate McRae? I think we're all kind of asking who is Tate McRae. <laughs> but you know who, who Tate McRae is? Uh, the youths know exactly who Tate McRae is. And she's very relevant right now. She's an emerging star. And so good on the NHL for getting on someone on the ground up and, and embracing her. She's Canadian. She posed for her album cover with a bunch of hockey pads on, not much else clothing-wise, but hockey pads. So she's a hockey girl. Mm. All right. So before we let you go, I got one final question. It's just my 
I'm curious to what you have to think about it. It's something that surprises me in the Western Conference. What surprises you more, the season that the Vancouver Canucks are having or the season that the Winnipeg Jets are having? Oh, ah, that's a great question. I think you have to go Jets just because they were at like full Armageddon last year. We thought all of their star players, Connor Hellebuck, Sweet American Prince. We want him back down here in the States. Amen, like, Amen sister. Why are you staying there? Why are you signing an extension? Mike Shifley, I was convinced that he was going to go too. So the fact that Kevin Sheveldayoff pulled it off to get all these guys to stay and then all of a sudden bring back a better product than they had last year and a team that's legitimately competing, um, that's a big surprise to me. Emily, I just want to say that you are also killing it on Around the Horn. You are doing an excellent job on that show. You are kicking ass, especially Israel Gutierrez's ass. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, I really appreciate that. <laughs> Emily Kaplan, the NHL on ESPN. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, fellas. And I'll see you in Toronto. We'll have maybe warm drinks for you. The cold Molson's didn't sound like it was selling it for you. Mm, uh, maybe some hot cocoa because we're Miller Light okay. sponsored. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you, Emily. Thanks, Emily. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. 